Amen. Thank you so much. And it is a joy to be here. And uh, as I said in the Sunday school hour, uh, it is it's an honor to be uh, with you guys. I love your pastor already. Pastor Paul, I love any man that uh, has a backbone. He has a backbone for sure. And he does. Amen. Anybody that has me in to preach has a backbone. Any man that has me in to preach while he's not here is like really brave, amen, <laughs> and uh, my goodness, I, I just uh, think a lot of him. Before I speak this morning, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, to do this. Um, Brother uh, John, will you come up? He, uh, <clears throat> we call him, we call him, we call him John. Now when I, when his name is J-U-N, for, for six or seven weeks, I called him June. He kept saying, name's not June. Name's John. Amen. So I had to get used to it. Uh, but you can call him Brother Vic if you want. That's his last name. And he, uh, he came to our office one day, and he is, uh, as I stated before, he is a, he's a godly man. Uh, he is a natural eunuch, faithfully unmarried man of God, loves the Lord. Came in, came in one, one morning and the guitar got brought up. And I said, you play the guitar? And he said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I beat on it every now and then. And I said, man, I love to hear a guitar. I came in the next day and I was there for a couple of hours and I thought, I've been listening to music. You ever, you ever do that? You ever get so busy that you... you, you then your ears tune into something. I said, what? I walked down the hallway. I went to the next office, and, and he's in there with his guitar. And I said, what are you doing? He said, you, you said you like to hear it. I just thought I'd come up here and play. I said, man, I love you. Thank you. And uh, but he's a blessing. And so this morning I want you to, to uh, hear him play and sing, and uh, I know you'll be blessed as well. And then I'll. Then we'll get up and we'll talk. Thank you, brother. Well, this is the first song that I sort of wrote. It's a Dole Lawson song that I changed the words to to fit around to me, to uh, more to my testimony. So. I was a young man. I lived fast and I lived hard and fought my battles, but they left way too many scars on my on my mind and on my soul, and I wandered down a dark and dreadful path with no hope. To a night I hit rock bottom, I read about a man who even loved the ones who drove nails into took a man like that to make me open up my eyes took a man like that to make me want to change my life took a man like that to save my soul and set me free took a man like that to love a sinner just like me and everyone that knew me swore I'd never turn around it was too far gone but look where I'm now, right on track, right where I'm supposed to be, cause I bowed my head in prayer and asked him to save me. I know I'm not worthy, you know there was only one, he died for you and me, the Father's Son, it took a man like that. set me free to a man like that to love a sinner like you and are you struggling can't seem to find your way each step you take could be or less but friend let me tell you about a man who set me free he gave me a new life and he paid the price for me he died so willingly that all might be free. He's 
We all fell in love with Jesus more. We could never look down on anyone else. Because the more we see of him, the more we understand that we're all in need of him. I love it. I love testimonies. I love, I love the ministry. Amen. The Bible said that Jesus touched the lepers. You know, a, you know how powerful that is? When the people in his society, the religious elite of his society, had a rule that the leper was not, a, was not allowed legally to even get close Ten steps away. They had to say, ten steps away. You can't, you're, you're, you're not, you, you, you have to stay away. But by the way, according to the book of Deuteronomy, the woman with the issue of blood broke the law. She was supposed to, she was not supposed to be even in the community, much less touching or in the crowd, she, she was, according to Deuteronomy, she was breaking the law, yet even in, even in the case where she broke the law, she broke the law to get to Jesus. You say, that don't even make sense. It don't make sense. All I know is this. Jesus said, who touched me? Because I felt it. I mean, I felt it leave my body. I, somebody touched me with great faith. All she knew is I have to. He, he's so powerful. He's so much God that he doesn't have to touch me if I can just touch him. Boy, I tell you what, I'm glad that you hadn't got to have it figured out to be able to touch Jesus this morning. Amen? You just have to touch him. just have to get near him. If you will, turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 1. A question that we get often in our ministry is what is a reprobate? There are many people that teach that if a person engages in the unnatural lifestyle a person engages in same-sex sexual behavior, they teach that they are reprobates. And they teach that reprobates cannot be saved. They do that by using Romans chapter 1. And they usually refer to Romans 1 as if it is speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah. But it is not. 
Romans 1 is speaking to humanity, speaking to everyone. In Romans 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we, all, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the call of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means, now at length I may have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by that mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles." I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. For, listen to this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, Nick, will you get me a tissue, please? Thanks a lot, John. You caused me to need a tissue, thanks. And Oh, there we go, I didn't see him. And... Uh, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says, I want to come and I want to preach the gospel to you guys. I love you guys. I'm praying for you always. And then Paul begins to expound the gospel in letter. And he says, you know what? The wrath of God is, is upon all unregenerate humanity. And then so he begins to describe humanity outside of Christ. So where many say that in Romans 1 he is, he is uh, giving a description of Sodom, nowhere in Romans 1 do we find a description of Sodom. We find a description of us without Christ. We find a description of humanity without Christ. And so Paul then begins to explain very many, many sins that exist and the, and the, and the appearances and the, and the actions of people uh, when they do not have Christ in their life. Uh, let me just address this quickly. When people bring up Sodom, what, what is, don't answer this out loud, what is the sin of Sodom? You've got, you've got books and you've got, you've got uh, sermons and I've, I've heard so many, I've preached so many where I say the sin of Sodom was homosexuality. That's what I mean. That's when people say the sin of Sodom. When the Bible uses the word sodomite, it's talking about, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible mean? First of all, A couple of things. The word of God tells us that Sodom was not destroyed because of the sin that existed within her. 
Sodom was destroyed because of the absence of righteousness. It's always, remember, it's always the absence of something and not the presence of something. It's always what you refuse to do, not what you do. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 16 quickly, just, just to look at this. Ezekiel chapter 16. Uh, Ezekiel 16 and verse 49. The Bible says, the Bible said in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, it says, uh, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now, this is God. God said, this is the sin of Sodom. Pride. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness, which was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of of the poor and needy. God said the sin that existed in Sodom was that she was rich and she refused to help the poor and needy. So, wait a second. Brother Johnny, we, but we know that what happened in Sodom, the sin in Sodom, the description in Sodom, absolutely. You understand that when a person creates evil in their life, the evil is the absence of something. Remember Isaiah 45, 7. If you were here last time, we talked about that's what evil is. Evil is the absence of truth, the absence of God, his presence and his peace. That's evil. Iniquity is something, and sin is a something, and transgression is a something, but evil is the absence of something. Evil is that which iniquity goes into, and sin goes into, and transgression goes into. It is the place, it is the place the devil takes up residency, and that's evil. That's why the Lord did not teach us to pray, deliver us from sin. He says, deliver us from evil. Because if there's no evil, there can be no sin. Because that's where sin resides. So, so the evil was in Sodom not taking care of the poor and needy. The wickedness that filled that void was the sexual perversion and all that went with it. What we have in America right now, we see all of the perversion, the sin, and the trash in the void, the trash in the hole. And we begin to look and say, man, the trash is awful, but we don't see the hole. We're ignoring the, we're igno we ignore the void. That's the problem. Get rid of the void. You won't have the trash. America is following Sodom. You know why? Because we have the opportunity to help so many people. And when we say we don't care, you go ahead. You say, I'm an American. I don't have to help people. Go ahead. Go ahead. But you're not a citizen of America. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're just passing through America. And on our journey passing through America, we ought to help as many people as we can. My, my home is not, people, people talk about the, man, the elections are nuts. And I'm thinking, man, Jesus is on the throne. <laughs> people think it's going to be Armageddon. Either way, I've heard either way, man, Armageddon is going to be either way. And I'm like, Jesus is on the throne. I will rest on the soft pillow of God's sovereignty the day after the elections as I do the day before. Amen. Amen. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we ought to pray. I pray. Honestly, I do. I pray. My wife and I both pray that Donald Trump gets born again and that Hillary Clinton gets born again. You pray for both of them. What kind of American are you? We're going the way of Sodom. So the Bible tells us the sin of Sodom. Look with me now back in Romans 1. Romans 1, I don't mean to take you on a, on a scriptural uh, sword drill this morning. Romans 1 and... Look with me in verse, oh, look with me in verse 22. Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and the creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature. What's that very next word? Well, and rather, my Bible says more. More. And in fact, I'll be honest with you, the, the, superior, the superior translation of that word from the Greek is more than, greater than. We understand the truth there. The people, these, this description of people outside of Christ, it, was not, it wasn't the fact that they were serving the creature instead of the creator. They were serving the creature more than. In other words, they said, we, we, we serve God. We just serve ourselves more than God. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. In other words, to say unnatural. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. God said, I allowed them to reap what they were sowing. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and merciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, here uh, we end chapter 1 with the list of sins that exist in that void that, that is there outside of Christ. It's not just sexual perversion, but it's all manner of sin, even disobedient to parents. I mean, everything. He covers everything. It's there, that list. That's what exists outside of Christ. But that's not where the teaching ends. That's not where Paul ends his sermon on the gospel or expounding the gospel. Look with me in chapter 2, verse 1. The very first word is, therefore. In other words, the reason for Romans 1 is not found in Romans 1. It's found in Romans 2. And it continues, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. He said, I've listed all of these sins to show you 
that you can't look at another person and say, you're a worse sinner than me. I've listed Romans, I've given you Romans 1 to show you that we're all guilty. How many times have I used as a preacher the, 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 the chapter, the first chapter of Romans to point the sin of another out? Hey, Romans 1 was given to me to show me that I am in need of a Savior just as much as anyone else on planet earth. It is not, as we mentioned last time, love the sinner and hate the sin. It is love the sinner and hate my own sin. So, so he goes further and he says in verse Two, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to, uh, to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Paul said, don't you realize that God is the judge of humanity? And who do you think you are trying to be God? Now, if you try to be God, don't you think that God, who is the real judge, is going to take care of you? I don't know about you, but that gives me the chilly willies. Anytime that I get this like self-righteous notion in me that I want to judge someone else, I have to remember, God, you've not even put me on the jury. I have no, I have no business stepping into the judgment seat over another person. You alone are judge. And if I try to be you, you're going to judge me. Not for the sin. Let me ask you a question. Which is the greater sin? Still in a Snickers bar are pretending to be God. You understand what Paul's saying here? He's saying, you, you see some boy that steals a Snickers bar, and you want to look at him, and you say, you thief, you dirty, rotten thief. You deserve hell, you dirty, rotten Snicker thief. <laughs> and God said, wait a second, buddy. I'm God. I'll take care of the Snickers but you don't, you don't try to pretend to be me. I'm God, and I'm a jealous God. And by the way, God said, despise not the man who steals bread when he's hungry. Is it wrong to steal? Always. But God said, don't despise the man when he steals bread because he's hungry. You remember when David was starving? And he went in the house of God and took the bread that belonged to the priest. Do you know the penalty was death? And God said, he's hungry. Religious people today would look at David and say, man, you deserve prison and you deserve the death penalty and you don't belong in our church. And God said, who do you think you are? Who is God? Jesus said, I am. You know why that's important? Because we're not. <laughs> he alone is I am. Now watch this. Now Paul, Paul, is, Paul, is, Paul is teaching them, don't get in God's business. Verse 4. Or, he says, do you despise? Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Now, that was, that's the hammer. That's when, as my kids would say, the mic drop happened. <laughs> My kids all the time, they'll say something to each other and they'll, they'll, they'll win the argument and they'll just... <laughs> over. I dropped it. Now watch this. Paul said, 
not only is God the only judge of humanity, but it's his very goodness that led you to repentance because you are in the list of Romans 1 as well. So God was good to you, and that's why you are in the position you're in to begin with. That's why you're saved to begin with. Hey, hey! if it wasn't for the, for the goodness of God, you ha- would have been swallowed up in hell in a heartbeat. It was God's goodness and his mercy. And by the way, his mercy is brand new every morning. That's what the Bible said. Boy, isn't that good? I'm talking about if you have a really rough day and well, you've really messed up and you fell off the wagon today and you think, man, I've just ruined it. I've ruined it. This is over. And you feel as far away from God as, as you've ever felt. Just remember this, that when you wake up the next morning, God says, brand new mercy. Man, if you trampled on the mercy yesterday, you get a brand new dose of it today. Brand new mercy. It's, new, it's brand new every day. Brand new every day. So you wasted my mercy yesterday. I've got a whole new batch today. And the Bible said, the Bible tells us in John 3 that it's for the mercy of God that the grace flows. So it's not only that the mercy is new every morning, but the grace that flows from the mercy is new every morning. That means, hey, listen, I get, which is not my own, it's by the grace of God that I get salvation. Every day I can go to God and say, God, I don't care how bad I messed up in my life or how bad I messed up yesterday or how much I failed you. Hey, I've got brand new mercy today. What a good God. And we still look at somebody else and say they're hopeless. Did you know that, listen to me, this is so powerful. I don't even know. This gets me, as my my daughters say all the time, that dad, that gets me in the fields. This gets me in the fields. You listen to me. Whenever we look at someone and we deem them hopeless, We're not judging them. We're judging the grace of God. We're not diminishing them. We're diminishing the grace of God. Because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. The Bible says as big as, as big as sin is, as big as, as big as death is, as big as wickedness is, as big as iniquity is, my grace is bigger. <laughs> I don't care where a person is in life. I don't care how hopeless or depraved or backslidden or messed up you think they are. My grace is sufficient. I can cover it. It gets me Christians that talk about, well, you know what? They're just trying. That, that, those people, those Christians, they just try to cover up sin. Yep. Christianity is just one big cover-up. The blood of Jesus covers it all. But I like that kind of cover-up. And God says, man, it's removed. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. (laughs) I mean, when you mess up, you've got a loved one that's messed up, and you think, you know what? There really is no hope. Brother Johnny, you just don't know. You just, if you just knew my situation, if you knew what my child was going through, if you knew what my spouse was going through, if you knew what my dad or mom or brother or sister or son or daughter, if you knew what my family was facing right now, then you would say, you know what, okay, that's the hopeless individual. But let me tell you something. If you just see, not them, if you just take your eyes off of them for just a moment, And put your eyes on the power of God. Where you look and say, God, I know it seems impossible. But see, God is not about doing great things. That's where Christianity is just so confused right now. We say, I want to do something good for God. You know what? 
Stop trying to do good things for God. Say, I, I'm trying to do great things for God. Stop trying to do great things for God. God don't call you to do good things or great things. God calls you to do the impossible for him. Hey, hey, you know what? The impossible is by its very nature impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So God, God, hey, lost people can do great things. Lost people can do great things. Bill Gates has done some pretty great things. Wouldn't you say? God don't call you to do great things. He calls you to do the impossible. So when you look at something, you go, that's impossible. God says, that's my territory. That's where I start to work. See, that's where your flesh fails you and my spirit leads you. That's when you start, you, you just lay down everything that you are and you pick up everything I am. That's when the people look in your life and say, you know what, that has to be God. Hey, if you do good things, you get the praise. You do great things, you get the praise. But when you do the impossible, God alone gets the praise. Don't you know? It was, a good, it was the goodness of God that led you to repentance. How dare you look at someone else and judge them wrongly? So what is a reprobate? Because Romans 1 says that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. What's a reprobate? Well, it's used seven times in Scripture. Jeremiah 6 is the first time that it appears in the Bible. And it's, it's in reference to silver, reprobate silver. The, the word reprobate, reprobate, it's where the, we get the word probation from. Reprobate means to be tested and found insufficient. Now follow me here. A reprobate and a hypocrite are not the same thing. What is this? Can somebody tell me the name of this plant? What is it? Bird of paradise. A woman must have named that plant. My wife, I'll ask her, I'll say, what color is this? And she'll tell me some, you know, that's ocean canary. And I'm like, I'm just looking for red or blue or green or yellow. That's what I'm looking for. That's man's colors. I don't need all this turquoise and in ancient Roman blue. I'm not looking for that, okay? Just give me the name. Is it blue or pink or what? Because it's a little dark in here and I can't. So this is what again? Where do y'all learn this from? Do they got a class that they don't let boys go to or something? That, that Okay, bird of paradise. That I would have never in a million years said, that's a bird of paradise plant there. But can I tell you something? Y'all are wrong. This is plastic. <laughs> I tested it, and I found it was insufficient. It is not birds of paradise. It is a reprobate. You reprobate plant. You dirty, stinking reprobate. You tell folks when you leave service today, the preacher called down a reprobate in front of everybody. You dirty, stinking reprobate. How dare you pretend to be a birds of paradise plant. But I have tested you and found you wanting. That's a reprobate. See, a reprobate is, is 
a, a lost man pretending to be righteous. A hypocrite is a saved man acting like the world. A reprobate is a man who his spirit's never been quickened. He's lost and unregenerate. Jesus said that as a reprobate, listen, a reprobate is not simply a lost person, but a lost person who knows the gospel and says, I don't care. I'll pretend to be righteous. I'll pretend to be saved. I'll pretend... Jesus said they're twofold children of hell because they're not just lost, but they're living and loving their lost condition. See, a reprobate is like the Pharisees who, during the ministry of Jesus, received the greatest rebuke. Jesus never, ever one time, you'll not find Jesus looking at the alcoholic and, and rebuking and calling down the alcoholic. You'll not see Jesus look at the tax collectors and say, you wicked tax collector. You'll not look at Jesus looking at the lepers or the, or the thieves or the prostitutes and calling. Hey, Jesus didn't do that. He loved them and he hugged them and he spent time with them. He went to their house and he looked at Zacchaeus. I love the scripture where he looked down at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, I mean, Zacchaeus was a sinner. And he looked at Zacchaeus and I said, I'm going to your house today. <laughs> Jesus went home with sinners. He spent time with sinners. But the Pharisees, they were the righteous people, but they were lost and they were without Christ and they were undone. And Jesus said, you are just like white graves. You're white on the outside and clean on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Jesus said, you are empty on the inside. even though they appeared to be righteous. You understand that Jesus said there's a test. There is a test. See, reprobate is when you've been tested and found insufficient. There is a test. Look with me. In John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Amen. My daughters, my oldest daughter is 17. I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. And when they were five, they asked me, they said, they said, Dad, uh, you, they were f five, six years old, and my oldest said, uh, you know, when she was three and four, she said, I'm going to marry you, Daddy. I'm going to marry you. And I thought, you do that, baby. I mean, I mean, you promise. I had to write it down on paper, sign it, uh, put a little mark. And uh, then when she was six or seven, she said, she said Daddy, she said, you going to let me date one day? And I said, not to, no, I was stupid. Now, I said, not till you're like 15. Did you know she never forgot that? When she turned 15, she said, Dad, I can date now. I said, whoa, you're still a little girl. See, I thought 15 was more grown than 15 is. And I said, uh-uh, you're a nun. We're Baptists, but you're a nun. How about that, <laughs> little girl? And, uh, but uh, I said, listen, when you court, that's what I, I, I love courting better than dating. She said, what's the difference, Daddy? I said, somebody's always going to be with you on a date. And she said, you don't trust a little boy? I said, I don't trust any little boys. They're all wicked and dogs. And, and, uh, and you say, well, I'm a young man and I'm not a dog. Well, yes, you are. If, when I've got daughters, you're dogs. And then, and then when you have little girls, you'll understand. But I said, when you go out on a date, you're, you're carrying the Bible with you. She said, the Bible? I said, yep. I said, every time you sit down, you're going to put the Bible right between you. 
I said, your hip is not ever going to touch his hip until you're our husband and wife. I said, because you're going to have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in between you and whoever that young man is. Those are the four people that are going to be with you on every date, young lady. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Corinthians tells us to examine ourselves. Let's do that. Are you a reprobate? Examine yourself. Do you have love for others? Jesus said, by this, this is how, this is it, this is the test. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. This is how you know you belong to me. Because the love that you have for each other. Jesus said one day there's going to be folks standing in front of him and he's going to say well done thou good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord. He's going to look at others and he's going to say, listen, I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you gave me no water. I was cold and you did not clothe me. I, I, was, I was in prison and you did not visit me. I was sick. And you didn't come to me. And they're going to say, uh-uh. When was you ever? I mean, listen, we went to church. We sang the hymns. We did all of the church stuff. And when was you ever hungry? And when was you ever thirsty? And when was you ever naked? And when was you ever sick? And when was you, I mean, you're Jesus. When was you ever in prison? And Jesus looks at them and says, the way, the very way that you treat the least in society, whatever you do to the least in society, you have done it also unto me. I was sitting in the Roses parking lot in our hometown and I was I was on the phone it was doesn't matter to you but Roses is pretty rough side of town but it was close to the library. I had not long left the library. It's behind the McDonald's. Anyone that's been to Moultrie knows what I'm describing here if you've been on that side. And, and, and behind McDonald's and, 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 and in the Roses parking lot, and I was, and I was on the phone, and, and I had a knock on my window. And I looked, and it was this little girl that, like she had been on three days of meth and she was a prostitute she knocked on my window and she said do you have a couple of dollars for me to get a hamburger I was on the phone and I said
I didn't tell the person I was on the phone with. I just, and she walked away. And not long after she walked away, I got off the phone. And I mean immediately, when I started my car, immediately as I pulled off, this scripture came to mind. And I realized that I just sent Jesus away with no hamburger. And you say, but, but Brother Johnny, you know she wasn't going to get a hamburger. Well, I could have bought her a hamburger. I didn't have to give her cash. I could have bought her a hamburger. But she was the least of these. She was the one that you already have your mind made up about. And Jesus said, that's me. I looked for her. I went up and down the streets. I went in McDonald's and I said, has a little girl been in here with a black dress? And she's a, she, I told the manager, I said, she, she looks like a prostitute. And he said, why are you looking for her? I said, i got to give her a hamburger. Have you seen her? And he said, I've not seen her. I went up down the street. I asked guys that were on the side of the road. I said, have you seen this little girl? And they said, no, I hadn't seen her. And I, I pulled over. And I promise you, as the Lord is my witness, I, I cried my eyes. I said, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I will not. If I have change in my pocket, I will not bypass an opportunity to feed Jesus or clothe Jesus or help Jesus. It's Jesus. They're Jesus. The least of these are Jesus. For real. He said it. It's his words. He said, you know, you know, when you speak, and the words come out of your mouth. That, it's, it's not that that changes lives. It's when you live the gospel. And people say, you know what? There's something really different about that group of people. Something different about them. Because they love everybody. I mean, they just love people. They love the least of these. We need that. You know what revival is? Revival is not when people jump ten foot in the air. Oh, it feels good when that happens. And it's oh, the old Nazarene preacher, Uncle Bud Robinson, said, I don't care how high a man jumps or how loud he shouts. What matters is how straight he walks on the way home. Let me ask you a question. Have you examined yourself? If you found any insufficiency this morning, listen, just say, Jesus, you know what? I want to renew my love for you, and I'm going to go find you. I'm going to find, I'm going to go on purpose and find those people. You realize he said in prison? You realize he's talking about people that broke the law. He's talking about people that have been, that have broken the law and been convicted and placed in prison and they're guilty as sin and they're just like you and I except they had got caught and they got convicted. That's what separates them and us according to Romans 1. And he said, it's those people even in prison, that's me. Jesus said, that's me. The people in prison, they're me. As much as you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it also unto me. We have a great opportunity. It's not a problem. Society is not a problem. 
Don't look at America right now and go, boy, we got a lot of problems. Boy, the problem out there. It's an opportunity. Jesus looked at the world, and the world was in Romans 1 condition. And he didn't say, boy, just throw that planet off into oblivion. They're a big problem. Jesus said, boy, that's an opportunity for me to show my love. And he went and found us. Let's go and find him. Let's go and find him. Let's go find him over near Roses in Moultrie. I don't know this area. Let's go find him. He, he, he can be found almost everywhere. Oh, that's the, that's the drunk. Everybody knows the drunk. Oh, yeah, did you know the, that, that, that he's Jesus? Oh, that's the guy that lives under the bridge. Everybody knows him. He's just, you know, he's always going to be that way. He's just the guy that lives under the bridge. Oh, yeah? Did you know he's Jesus? But they're meth addicts. Oh, yeah? We need to reach Jesus. But they're living in, in sexual sin. The least of these. We have an opportunity. Let's stand before Jesus one day and hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you brought me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. You've been faithful. I want to make you, I, I'm going I'm to give you, since you've been faithful over a little, I'm going I'm to give you many, many things to be faithful over. so much more than just helping those who are in sexual sin. But you can start by helping those who are in sexual sin. We're about to pray and close. Let me say this. It's a very sober time, I know. I think self-examination is always good. If you would like to know more about Born That Way Ministries and how to help those that are in sexual sin, if you'd like to know how to help them and how you can, how you can help us help them, we'll be glad to show you. We've got our book table out here. My brother Nick will be out by the book table after we're done, but... Let me just close with this. In France, King Louis XIV had a preacher, a court preacher. His name was Francois. <laughs> and one day, Francois had church, and King Louis came, and, and he showed up on Sunday morning, and in the courtyard for the sermon, for the preaching, and there was no one there but him and the preacher. And King Louis said, King Louis said, what is this? The courtyard is usually full of people. What is this? And Francois said, King, I hope you forgive me. But I wrote a letter to all the members and I in, in informed them that, that you would not be present today, that it would only be the word of God and them. Because I wanted you to know, King, who comes to church for you and who comes to church for God. And the king said, thank you. 
Why do we assemble? Why do we meet? It should be to receive the truth of God where we can go out into the highways and hedges and share the love of Jesus. Let's pray.